Hey, this is Todd Stacy and Mary Sell, and welcome to In the Weeds with Alabama Daily News. This is week four, week four of the legislative session. We've got sure. Um, I guess really it's days five, six, and seven, more more accurately, and you know because we're dealing with spring break last week. So, am I correct, Mary? And that that puts us at the end of this week, one fifth of the way through. Yeah, I think that's about right for those of us yeah. keeping track. Yeah, well, that's 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 good. That's interesting. Um, and so we're back with yet another interesting and influential guest. And Mary, I'll let you introduce him. Yeah, a former lawmaker and someone who definitely didn't have a spring break last week. I'm assuming because he was very busy working on some very big bills. Uh, the Commerce Secretary of Alabama, Greg Canfield. Thank you so much for being with us today, sir. Glad glad to be here, Mary and Todd. Well, I wanted to start real quick with, you know, it's the game plan, the, um, the four-bill package of economic development incentive updates, um, reauthorization of the Jobs Act, reauthorization of the Growing Alabama Act. There's some others that we'll, we'll get to the details. But I wanted to start with... Um, the Jobs Act and and that reauthorization. Um, the the bill says increasing the cap on how much the state can leverage at one time for economic development. That's that's been discussed this entire time. So what the what this bill has written says is twenty five million dollars increased every year up until. 2027 when it's finally 475 million so i guess my question is how did y'all arrive at that number i know there was discussion about maybe do we need a cap at all you know considering it that we're pay as you go so how did you arrive at that 475 number and is that stair step is is that going to get you where you need to be in terms of the cap well you know i think it's fair to say that uh, anyone in the economic development world would prefer not to operate under a cap, but I think that that's an unrealistic assumption in today's uh, world. So what we did at Commerce is we went back through, we collect a lot of data. Uh, we have a, a very robust compliance process that is tied to the Alabama Jobs Act. So we know exactly how projects are performing. We got a pretty good idea uh, on the timing of incentive payouts and the amount of incentive payouts we get a good bit of data that we have shared with us in a confidential manner by revenue that helps us get a handle on that so we had a good idea on what we see in our incentive flow over the next 10 15 years as well as the fact that we have to encumber against our cap not only for what we enter into project agreements for, which makes sense, we've got a contract, so we've got to adhere to that. Uh, but we also have to encumber 100% of everything we offer. Even though we know we'll never, we'll never win 100% of the projects for which we make an offer on. What, what, what does encumber mean? I'm kind of... Uh, okay. <laughs> so that's a fair question. So encumber just means that you have to account for the impact against the cap for that amount of offer in every deal that we kind of a, kind forward. of assuming that you win every one of them 
Yeah, we have to, and we have to make that assumption because we don't know which ones we're going to win. Yeah. And more important, we want to make sure that the state can live up to its commitments because we're requiring these companies to live up to their commitments. So we have to be cautious. This is a very conservative approach to encumbering against the cap. So as we went through time, we had a pretty good idea that we knew where we needed to ultimately get to, and we feel that it's more responsible for us and easier for the legislative partners uh, in the House and the Senate to look at this in a in a stepped manner, $25 million a year, each year for five years. Okay, interesting. Can you can you talk a little bit about the growing Alabama uh, credit and, and the raise there? I think that's $35 million up from $20 million. What will that let you do? So there's, um, and we'll talk about the second bill in the game plan uh, shortly, I'm sure. Uh-huh. But in the first bill, we are addressing not just the Alabama Jobs Act, but Growing Alabama as well. And what Growing Alabama is, I like to call it the ongoing maintenance program for improving existing land that is already being held out for development opportunities across the state by a variety of different local economic development groups and counties, industrial development authorities, et cetera. There exists all over the state land which already exists for development, but for which there are defects that are curable. And what I mean by defects means it could be anything from there's land available, uh, say there's 100 acres in one one county that's available, but it it never has been able to compete well for a project because it didn't have the right amount of water infrastructure or sewer infrastructure Mm -hmm. or electrical infrastructure. That's a curable defect. And Growing Alabama will allow us to continue the process of improving land already made available for future development in a real responsible manner. Increasing from 20 million to 35 million is needed because it will it will allow us to accelerate the amount of developable property that is what we call speed to market ready. Because as we compete in the marketplace for projects to locate in our state, that investment and the jobs that come with it require sites that are speed to market ready. You used to hear it called shovel ready. Right. Now that's called speed to market ready because companies are more and more interested in getting into a site, getting their plant built out, their equipment in and operating, hiring everyone that they need, going into operation as quickly as possible. And we want that too because the quicker they go into operation is the quicker that they begin to generate new revenue flows into our state. The quicker they add people onto their payroll and employ more Alabamians. Okay. And then that leads us to the second bill, the the seeds, what's being referred to as the seeds bill. And I think you guys are particularly excited about that one because I've I've heard you say multiple times over the last year that we, the state needs more, more mega sites, more sites to show to possible industry. 
Can, can, can you walk us through what this will do and, and clarify this for me? In this bill, what's the difference between assessment grants and development grants? Oh, that's a great question, and I'll, <laughs> I'll be happy to kind of explain that. So what, what the SEEDS Act does is it takes what Growing Alabama can't do. You know, Growing Alabama is the maintenance program. We, we expect it to be around for a long time. Mm-hmm. But the SEEDS Act is really designed to be short-term to intermediate-term in its approach to being able to primarily add new land into the inventory of available sites. We have been very successful over the last decade in project activity, as demonstrated by the fact that in for 2022, Governor Ivey just announced that we broke our, in fact, we shattered our record for economic development, capital investment in the state by crossing uh, $10.1 billion of investment in the state. Well, that, that, you know, all of that success means that we're taking more properties out of being available because we're putting projects on them. So as we've continued to do that in an accelerated fashion, we just haven't seen local economic development entities and partners being able to add property back into the inventory quickly enough. So SEEDS mm-hmm. Act is designed to give us a mechanism to do that through the State Industrial Development Authority. And it's got two components. This is a grant matching program. And what we would do is we would actually take a grant matching program and there's two two grant opportunities. One is if a local organization gets control, either they purchase or they get an option to purchase land for future development, the assessment grant is all designed about making sure that, that all of the engineering work, all of the cost estimates needed to get all of the infrastructure required can all be paid for so that that so that you know exactly what it's going to cost to develop and secure that land for future development. And so that grant for assessment purposes is designed to do that. The development grant on the other hand and and let me say the assessment grant can b- apply to uh sites that have acreage of 50 acres or greater. So the 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 next part, the second part of the different the second grant is called the development grant and that's all about getting new land acquired and into the inventory this grant is designed to provide a state match for local funds for public property that's under a a public economic development entity's control for future development or they want to put into their inventory we will match uh, a state grant to the local funds so that for projects uh, i think currently the law says 200 acres or greater because this is not just about mega sites this is about larger but properly sized sites for everything from the average project to the mega project and so um, that's the way that this particular program will work We'll have statewide matching grants, and hopefully we'll be able to secure funding uh, for this. And once that funding is depleted, this program goes away. 
Oh, but okay. After afterwards, we will have new uh, a, a, a number of new sites available that are speed to market ready, and we'll have Growing Alabama, which is the ongoing maintenance program, to support mm -hmm. it. So, how much funding will will be available for for well, the communities? <laughs> Well, that's the, <laughs> that up to your 140 question, friends at the state yeah, house. Yeah, we're, 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 we're going to ask each one to write a check. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> okay. I don't have an answer for that, Mary. Um, okay. Our thought, our thought process is we need to get the enabling act passed and then begin to have a discussion about how, how and how much we can fund it. Okay, and I know there's a there's a sliding scale of that matching grant, so that smaller communities, more rural communities, and when we say communities, we're talking about counties, correct? Yeah, so we're looking at in terms of the, in terms of how we would administer the grant. Uh, the answer to the question is yes, we're doing it on a county basis. It's mm -hmm. very similar. In fact, it's patterned after our approach for our entire rural strategy. The targeted uh, communities. The Jobs Act with targeted rural counties. So we follow that kind of principle. So yeah, I mean, we want to. We recognize that. Look, we've got 67 counties, and there are certain counties which ha tend to be the more highly populated counties that have more financial capacity for acquiring land. So we're going to require a dollar for dollar match in right. counties with populations above 150,000. But conversely, for the for the counties in the state with the lowest population, which usually happen to be the cha the counties most challenged financially to be able to get properties into their inventory for future development, for counties that have populations under 12,000, we're only going to require 25 cents on the dollar in terms of matching. So it's a we think this is a very fair approach to a particular county's ability to afford investing in property for future and for future capital investment attraction and job creation that comes with it. Okay. Hmm. Well, it, it sounds like I know there's a, a effort to give everybody a, a shot at a bite at this apple because I remember when you were talking about mega sites and and creating a few mega sites I what I was hearing some rumblings is well who's who's going to get this golden goose who gets who gets this gift? But it sounds like everybody gets gets a shot here. But do we have a timeline? I, I guess I'm just wondering because there is a limited. We don't know how much funding is available. What what's this process going to look like so that the little guys get the same shot as the big guys who already probably have some some capital ready to go? Well, I mean, I, everybody's going to start at the same starting line on this. So is is Assuming, you know, we, we expect to get this bill passed like the other three bills in the game plan uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. And we expect then uh, once the Seeds Act is passed that we'll find a funding strategy. And once those funds are made available, then we just got to get everything in place at CETA to begin the process to administer and accept applications from the various communities. So everybody, every one of these communities, every one of these counties will have the same starting line. So nobody's going to be left out at the gate. Cool. Thank well, you. Let's move to innovation 
this has kind of been a buzzword for the last, I don't know, two or three years um, with the creation of Innovate Alabama, the Innovation Commission, the Innovation Corporation, all these all these kind of things that have happened. Now they're going to have some uh, resources, uh, I guess, up to $25 million for this Innovate Alabama tax credit. Um, talk a little bit about how that program will work. What's the expectation for the benefit of these innovation grants? So, Todd, you know, the beauty of what we're going to be talking about with this bill um, is I'm talking to you about a bill that really doesn't reside with the authority of commerce, and I think it demonstrates how closely aligned and collaborative we have become across agencies and entities, in this case with Innovate Alabama, a, a public corporation that was formed, to continue to move our state forward. And I, I kind of look at this as a continuum. We're, Innovate Alabama is going to use the, the incentives and the funding mechanisms that are in the innovation bill to really focus on creating opportunities for early stage tech companies, minority owned and underrepresented companies, women owned companies, veteran owned companies, etc. To, to really have that early stage seed capital that they need to begin to form and grow. And, and so part of that part of that responsibility resided at one time, or currently even, at, at Commerce. And the truth is, at Commerce, we've done everything that we know how to do to support innovation, early tech development, and the growth of early stage underrepresented companies and minority-owned. And we've done a pretty good job, but we really found out that in the tech world and in the innovation world of early startup companies, we didn't really have the expertise. So Innovate Alabama's got a unique opportunity with a board of directors that has among its members some of the most active serial entrepreneurs and others that have experience in that space that we just didn't possess. So this Innovate Alabama's got a great opportunity to grow this small business, minority-owned tech sector in our state. And then that continuum, that spectrum uh, of continued growth is such that we, we're, our strategy is to grow those companies here in Alabama. And then as they continue to grow, they will reach a certain point if they continue to be healthy that they will then need the type of capital that would take them to the next level and they will then be faced with do we stay in Alabama or do we have to move somewhere else to get the capital that we need and we see commerce coming in at that stage potentially with uh, with our Jobs Act incentives and I can give you a great example of this yeah uh, there were we funded uh, um, in growing Alabama, which the funding for programs like this will switch to Innovate Alabama in this bill, we helped fund a ex tech accelerator called Bronze Valley. Well, Bronze Valley was their, their mission is to work with minority-owned and underrepresented 
underrepresented ownership of small startup companies. And one company like that is a company called Acclinate. Well, Acclinate is founded by two co-founders of color, so named uh, Tiffany Whitlow and then Dale Smith. And what they do is they realize that in so many of these clinical studies that minorities were not being represented in the clinical study, so the results were skewed against minority populations. So they're all about creating a trusted source of connecting the underrepresented population and minorities into clinical studies to help improve the healthcare outcomes. And they started here uh, in Alabama through Bronze Valley Accelerator and they grew to 18 employees at one point, had a payroll of one and a half million dollars, and they're continuing to grow. And at this point, we're talking to them about having them stay in Alabama as they continue to project growth and employment. And we may be using the Jobs Act incentives to do that. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a poster child. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Start them here, grow them here, keep them here. Nice. Okay. Let's talk about the final bill, transparency. We like transparency. Um, I know you would, Mary. <laughs> I, I don't know so why, this, Mary. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, <laughs> just, just taking a couple of steps out of the process for us, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, what's in this bill, or this bill would, would have you all put online, I guess. Um, several... Mary, what's not in this bill? <laughs> right. <laughs> So, um, actually, you know, Mary, you and I have talked over the years, right? And, we we go back a bit. Yeah, so Mary, you know, I'm, I'm accustomed to Mary calling me after we have a project announced me and asking me uh-huh. about the projects. And right. Most of the time we've been able to share everything. So what we, I mean, this You're is going to really put it weird. online to get me to stop calling you. I've, yeah, that, that that's hurts. exactly it. Yeah, so, <laughs> that hurts. I know, I know you wake up early in the morning before the kids do with your cup of coffee so you can do your research. So, um, so what we'll be doing seriously in this transparency bill, we recognize that we are in a world where there is a lot of opportunity for misjudging how incentives are working and whether or not they're benefiting uh, our economy, and we've got data that certainly proves that these are pay-as-you-go incentives. Companies have to make their investment. They have to hire their staff to create the Alabama jobs, go into operation, and then they begin to create new revenue flows to the state and to the local communities where they're located in both direct and indirect revenue flows. And that's all positive to our economy. That's why, frankly, that's why the Alabama economy has continued to fare so well uh, during the pandemic and and into this screwy economy that we have. So, you know, we want to continue to build on that. And to do do that, the the public's got to trust our program. So we've come to the realization that in order to build public trust, we've got to share information. So we're going to share... In, in this process, we're going to share all the deals, uh, all the information about projects, who the company is, what their capital investment is 
going to be, what how many jobs they've told us they're going to create, what their wage average wage is going to be in the project. Uh, and then we're going to also disclose the incentives that we're offering in return for all of that. And every type of incentive used. So we're going to put that on the madeinalabama.com website. That's the commerce website. So that the public can go to that to that section of our website and very easily look at that information. And we're going to balance that information to because we have to be revenue positive in every offer that we make and mm-hmm. every project agreement we enter into. So we're going to share with them uh, not only the incentive offers and the project information, but we're also going to show our estimated financial forecast for the 10-year and the 20-year return on incentives. Okay. Is it the aggregated? I'm sorry. Go ahead. And then we're going to go one step further, and we're also going to have a section that will aggregate the performance of our incentives so that people can see how they, our incentive programs are performing over time. What, explain that to me. I don't, what, what will that look like? So, you know, we, we actually today, we have joint legislative oversight through a joint legislative oversight committee mm-hmm. that we report the performance of our Jobs Act incentives on every year. Right. And, it, and as part of that process, we, in our compliance process, are collecting real-time information on how, many, how much incentives companies are utilizing, when they're getting paid, how many jobs they have, what their payroll is, what their wages look like. Mm-hmm. And that's all information that we're going to share. We're not, we can't, the law protects that information from being shared on a company specific basis, but we're going to aggregate it so that people, you know, can see it's re- this is really about that's, is the performance of this program working? That's the return on investment. The- well, that's actually going to be the aggregated data that we're going to provide too. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I'm still going to call you all the time, but so, so Mary, you're going to have lots of information. You'll just be asking me. You'll just be able. You'll just be asking me different questions. Right. Yeah, but everybody else is going to have it too. You know. Uh, yeah. that's, no, it, more information for everybody's good. That's fine. Oh, yeah. That's fine. I'm not taking it personal. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's about as much. Is, is, is probably the, the most thorough explanation of all those bills and especially kind of the granular details as, as I've seen or heard anywhere. So thank you for that. I do want to I do want to switch gears while we have you, Mr. Canfield, to kind of maybe get you to delve a little into the art of economic development of industrial recruiting. I mean, back when I worked in the governor's office, we had a little bit of an eye into it working with back then ADO. But there was, I mean, there's such a, a profession and such a precision to what you guys do. So I just kind of want to ask maybe on the general level, on the, on the base level, like, how does it work? A company like Mazda Toyota, I mean, do they come to you? Do you go to them? What's the... Is, I mean, I know there are site selectors out there. I mean, kind of walk us through it as, as like we're economic development idiots, that we don't know anything. How does it, how does it start and how does it work? You know, I, 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 I wish that there was um, a 
recipe for how this works that was consistent, but th this is um, it's a pretty dynamic environment that we work in. So here's, I mean, in, in real basic terms, our strategy at Commerce has been we wanted to establish Alabama using branding, the Made in Alabama brand, which we launched in 2013, mm -hmm. to tell the story. And it's not us telling the story. The, the story being told through our branding, through our website, through the journalism and through our social media is primarily being told by the companies that are actually here doing business. And it gives those companies the opportunity to share their experience in Alabama. So one of the things that we're doing is we're raising the level of awareness about Alabama, both domestically and internationally. And we're building relationships at the C-suite level with these companies that many of which are international that you know they are global companies that some are located in the US some are some are located in Asia some are located in Europe and so a Mazda Toyota as an example approaches us because we've got a relationship over the years with executives at Toyota hmm. And, and so they reach yeah, out. There, to us. There's that engine plant up there, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And with 20, 20 plus years of doing business in Alabama successfully with multiple, you know, expansions that have taken place. So the experience in Alabama with these companies, when it's, a, you know, it's, it's, us, it, it's a, usually a good experience, makes these C-suite executives have a certain affinity. So, that's one of the things that we do. The second thing we do is we do the very same thing to raise the level of awareness and create relationships with consultants that are employed by these companies to help them make site selection evaluations. So sometimes a project comes to us directly from the company. Sometimes it comes to us by way of a site selector. But, you know, the other thing is, in this world, all economic development has to occur locally at the end of the day because that's where the sites are. The sites aren't in this mythical state of Alabama, right? Mm -hmm. That's not really. I mean, we are real. But the site is actually located in a county, in a community, when a project locates there. So you have to have a great local effort and relationship and collaboration. So in order for all this to work, um, local communities have to be good at what they do, too. And most of the communities around our state are. So it's also very often the case that a project gets introduced to us through a local economic developer. Huh. Wow, that's interesting. So it can kind of come from both sides. And like you mm -hmm. said, with the consultant, like you could get a you could get a site uh, selector who's basically got like, like an envelope that you don't know the name of the company. You don't know um, maybe even the sector. But you know, it's it's significant. You know, this much investment could be this, and and like it's kind of like this this veil of ignorance, and you've got to operate under that until a certain point in the process. That sometimes happens, right? Yeah, you know, it the it they do attempt to do that. We don't really allow the game to be played that way huh. too much. Okay, in interesting. Um, so, I mean, we will we we will accept a certain amount of upfront confidentiality where 
we may be initially introduced to project without knowing the identity of the company. But our position now is we're, we're going to do a lot of due diligence on every deal that we evaluate. Uh -huh. And at some point before we make an offer, you're going to have to disclose who this is and what they're going to be doing. Interesting. Well, it, it sounds like a, 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 a more matured, like you, commerce has over the decades developed a matured process, but you, you brought up the locals. I've always been yeah. curious about this because you're you're so right that all economic development is local because at the end of the day you're choosing this site that has you know access to the interstate or rail and water all those kind of factors that you mentioned and so I'm I'm curious about like maybe it's hard to put a percentage on or whatever but how much are those factors infrastructure maybe proximity to their existing supply chain, um, that kind of stuff. Is that, uh, is that kind of stuff more important Criti incentives or is it right up there? It's critically important. You know, it depends. Um, I mean, certainly if we didn't have an automotive OEM located in our state, the chances that we would have a tier one automotive company located here, are pretty, pretty much nil to none. Okay. OEM. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, original <laughs> equipment manufacturer. Those are the guys like Mercedes and Honda, Hyundai, okay. uh, and Mazda, Toyota that are actually making the vehicle, right? They've okay. got a network of suppliers and the first tier of their suppliers is called tier one. So, you know, if, without an automotive manufacturer here, we wouldn't have a tier one company located here. Right. So the, mm -hmm. the supply chain and the the proximity of the supply chain to their customers is always critical, no matter what industry you're in. Uh, sometimes the, the proximity to a customer is driven by where you are in the value chain as a supplier. So the higher value, the closer you should be in most cases. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, those factors are always important. Uh, it's it's would it would it be fair to say that the incentive package is like the closer? I'm thinking like Mazda Toyota. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, we keep using this example. It's just the most recent big fish, right? But oh, Novellus. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh well, that's mm -hmm. this is true. Yes, I should. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but the the, the the Mazda Toyota has a, an important factor in the in the hypothetical I'm bringing up, and that yeah. it's it's you know what. 20 miles from the Tennessee line, you know, that's, yeah. that's not much difference in terms of where their supply chain is and all that. And so if they're just right over the line in Tennessee, maybe it's not much different for their company, but it certainly is different for the two States. So is, is that when maybe incentives really come into play and, and the, and the site preparation really come into play, like you're, you're closing the deal. So the, I, I can tell you that the site, the condition of the site, and all of the physical characteristics that support that site and its viability for a company is more critical than the incentives. I mean, the truth is we're really not that interested in a project when it comes to us and says the first thing they want to see is incentives. That's mm. a red flag for us, mm. you know, because if you need, if you have to have our incentives to come, 
if incentives are going to rank in the top three of your decision, that's a red flag. I mean, it means you don't really have the capital to come here. So you go somewhere else. That's kind of how we feel. So they're, they're so, fishing. Has yeah, they're fishing for incentives. Has your success, the state's success in the last, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years, has that allowed the state to be a little more, a little more picky? I don't know that if, if I can't say that it's allowed us to be, I don't think we're picky. Mm -hmm. I think we're, I think we are performing with a expected level of due diligence because it doesn't do us any good to attract a company and incentivize a company here that's not going to survive and be here for 20 plus years. So we, we don't, if it's not a good fit for our state, we would, we don't want to waste our time because we want companies that are going to stay here and grow here. You know, the, the Mazda Toyota's already reinvested more than their original investment plan was. So we love companies to come here and say, man, this is great. We love doing business here. We're going to, we want to invest more here and grow more here. And so that's what, that's the situation you want to have. Interesting. Interesting. Well, look, we've, we've kept you too long, longer than we said we would. Um, and would you believe it? That I think we've made it through this entire conversation without one sports metaphor for the game plan. So, <laughs> but, uh, Next but time. I don't, don't want to get you in trouble with Gina or anything. But um, <laughs> anyway, thank you, Secretary Canfield, for your uh, thoroughness and explaining all this. Thank you so well, much, sir. Let's, let's get out there and win the game. Okay. There it is. All right. There there it is. Is. <laughs> all right. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye. That was interesting. That was yeah, meaty. That, oh, that, that yeah. That's that's exactly what this podcast is. It's just <laughs> so much detail, and you could tell he was excited to share it. Like like nobody ever asked me about you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I love that. Yeah, and I think I mean, dude's been working hard. <laughs> like this is a lot. This is so many moving parts. This is and uh, we didn't get to to say this, but all I was looking at all the bills today, like the Senate version of the bills. 20 plus sponsors co-sponsors mm -hmm. um that's a lot of buy-in you know they've been working on this for i don't know at least since early last year i would imagine yeah um, you know that, that the, the commission that lieutenant governor rainsworth had i mean they had been meeting all this time and yeah um but canfield was there at every single one of the meetings answering right. questions and all that kind of stuff and i think you know I wasn't surprised to see so many um, co-sponsors. The, the the sponsors themselves are all all influential people, and so um, yeah, yeah. They, these bills will fly through. I'm, I'll be curious if somebody even tries to amend them. Um, but I, I think the groundwork speaks to like they don't want to take any chances. Like let's just let's, yeah. let's get this through. You never well, no. know. What the I mean, we've been waiting on these for months. They've been a lot of work behind the scenes so yeah they're dropped i think they'll be in committee next week and fast-tracked for sure it was interesting when he's talking about like you mentioned the people showing up with a envelope uh not not disclosing the name not disclosing too much and then just getting you know looking for cash incentives my first yeah. job my first one of my first jobs 
20 plus years ago, I was covering business in a small, small town in Indiana. And that's how it worked. Like communities would scrape together cash and they had an economic developer because, you know, everybody's doing this. And you try to, to lure a company and sometimes not a lot of questions were asked about what it was and you'd give them a pile of cash and hoped it worked out and sometimes it didn't. So things have definitely, yeah, definitely that, changed. And that's what I meant by it, the, the process and the system has matured. Right. Um, I mean, it, it would come a long way since um, basically writing Mercedes $300 million check. Right. Look, that worked out. That <laughs> but worked I'm just out. Saying, and, I mean, yeah. you know, that some was of the... them haven't. Some of them haven't. There have yeah. been uh, Remington a hand... and yeah, a handful of examples that yeah, it's it wasn't quite there. So I, I think that the 2015 revision or, or really just overhaul the Alabama Jobs Act was a really big deal in terms of pay as you go, not just a cash, you know, thing. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that we've done this. Look, I don't think these bills are they're, they're going to fly through. This is not going to be controversial, but they are very important, and I and I think it's good that we flesh them all out and ask ask the the serious questions. So I really, this is why I'm so glad you're doing this with me now, Mary. <laughs> you know the you know how to get into those bills and see like, wait, what does this little thing do? And and, and I'm I'm not as good at that. So I I'm really glad oh. that you had that those that level of detail. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I, I'm sure I missed some details, and I'm sure well there'll be there'll be more to report on for the next uh, in the next week or so. But yeah, these, um, yeah, in committee next week, and and here we go. But you're right. I mean, it is important because that you know, 25 million dollars per year cap increase, and that is, you know, that's that's revenue out of the education trust fund. But I think you know, what they'll be able to point to is that return on investment. And I mean, the, the numbers that commerce has show that, that it works. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, we'll see. And um, I, it's funny, but you, you talked about how they had all their ducks in a row. There's this big announcement down at the, the ballpark, the Riverwalk stadium, which they're going with this. <laughs> that's the whole theme, right? I don't know yeah. if anybody really got that, that they're on a ballpark and all this. Oh, I never, that, I missed See, that completely. It, it took, <laughs> I was like, it, oh, that's a cool building. Is it? Right. <laughs> it took, it took me a minute too. I think they were going to try to have it on the field. Uh, rain so much. Um, oh, but yeah, so the, the whole thing. I just thing, thought maybe they were going to get some nachos or something. <laughs> like, it was kind of an odd place to have it. And then it's like, why are they having it here? And I had to think like, oh, the game plan. Oh. Part, part of that was during the press conference. Like, I, I can't tell you how many sports metaphors. It was just metaphor after metaphor of just like, you know, I'm yeah. the you know, governor's, I'm the coach and here's the players <laughs> and thanks coach and all this. You got to have oh. Um, yeah, that, that's wasted on me. Probably, <laughs> probably the best one, the, actually the most useful one, came from Will Ainsworth, who said, imagine if Auburn and Alabama didn't have college scholarships to offer their football recruits and everybody else did. Like, yeah. nobody would go there. I guess now you could probably put that in reference with, like, NIL and all that. Right. But um, that was the one that actually stuck for me. I'm like, hey, all right. That was good. Some of these yeah. other ones were reaching a little bit, but um, that is going to fly through. But the reason I bring it up is um, the last time that they really uh, amended the Jobs Act was 2018. And I had just started the Daily News. Like when I say just started, it was like January of that year. Um, and, and they were updating it 
to essentially account for the problem in the ethics code that site selectors and other economic developers mm. might be subject to disclosure mm-hmm. of like, are, are you lobbying? And so therefore must you disclose all of what you're doing? And if you're doing, and if you have to, you're going to, you're never going to get, get in as part of the competition. They're never going to come here if they have to disclose everything. So that's kind of what I was getting at um, earlier, but that was a hugely controversial bill. I mean, anytime you touch the ethics code, it's controversial. And they were, you know, the Kyle Whitmires of the world were, were comparing it to, you know, this is Mike Hubbard. Uh, they're trying to make, do what Mike Hubbard, trying to make what Mike Hubbard did legal and all that. I mean, just mm-hmm. breathless reporting all that. None of, the, none of it was true. None of it was founded. Mm-hmm. But be, because of that experience, I think that's what's making them take this so seriously and be so buttoned up and, and you know, as dotted T's crossed, because that was a a lot harder lift back then. That was a, sure. a, a troublesome process. So just a just a reminder for all those who um, were here five years ago. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's uh, well, and then and then we they did revisit the Jobs Act in 2020. Um, extended the cap. They had to extend the the Jobs Act. Extended the cap a little bit, and so I, I feel like. I don't know, maybe it's just because it was 2020 and everything's time doesn't mean anything anymore, but I feel like we were just there. Well, yeah, because they, um, well, if you remember, they, um, it was time for reauthorization or part of it was. And so they actually tried to do it by executive order. Right. And and we, and we were like, Hey, I don't know if this is, this (laughs) is legit. And I remember how uncomfortable we made the governor's office and, and, and Mr. Canfield, because, yeah. you know, I think I, we had written some things and he's like, okay, yeah, you're technically correct. So the next time they, the legislature met, that was like the first thing they did. Right. Uh, a special was session, right? It was like, yeah, like codify what this executive order had yes. done. And like, I get it. It was COVID. COVID made us all nuts. Right. But um, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> anyway. So, so we've yeah, been reporting on we economic extended, development. Yeah. Now we're extended to 2028 or we, we will be in you know, a week. <laughs> so yeah. it's 2028. And where, where will we be Mary in 2028? <laughs> what will become of <laughs> the daily news? And another five years. We're going to be huge. <laughs> huge. Right. It's going to be awesome. Uh, absolutely. We're going to have like so many staff running around. It's going to be amazing. There'll be a new state house. Be a new <laughs> state house. That's the one thing, you know, I don't, I don't comp- campaign. I try not to put my opinion in anything. But we need a new state house. <laughs> oh, that's an that's an easy one. I mean, yeah. it's just anybody that's, and it's not just. I mean, there's so many reasons. But um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't care that the first floor where the press is kind of smells like poop sometimes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I do, but that's not my main issue. Like, if you ever see a public group come to the state house mm-hmm. and try to go to a committee meeting in a room that's supposed to hold thirty people, it is just so frustrating. Yes, you should. I, I don't know if you saw any of the um, the kids from Strolling Thunder, um, a, a group of, I guess, advocating for children, literally a bunch of kids in strollers all coming through security at the same time <laughs> and all around yeah. the state house. And it was just muggy enough. It's just getting muggy enough. Yeah. To be smelly. And it's, it's just <laughs> it's, it's a disaster. I was happy to stay yeah. on the first floor then. Um, but look, I think it's gonna. I think it's actually starting to take off. I think, I, I, uh, and I, 
the, the money thing, I, I don't, who knows? I think it's, but I don't, I don't, I don't know any lawmaker. You may have some that take a political no vote. You know, I can, I think we can right. probably name a, a few that would kind of throw the others under the bus, but it, they may not require a vote. But I, I actually think this state house idea is, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I mean, sooner, I mean, like maybe within five years, but um, <laughs> so that's we'll actually saying something for, for the issue. But I don't know how we got onto that, but I, that's my fault. Yeah. Five <laughs> years from now, new state house will be, I don't know, whatever new technology is available, then you'll probably make me learn it. And <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, hope, hopefully we get some better, better microphones to our guests. Yeah. Um, speaking of the state house, I've got to run back down there to record a television show. So I'm going to edit some stories. <laughs> it's been real. And uh, Thank hey, thanks you. for another great pod. And we'll talk to you next time. Talk soon. Yeah.